You are listening to episode number 78 of Wife Teacher Mommy, the podcast, simple and effective tricks to addressing problem behavior with Dr. Christine Ree. Whether you teach special education like Chris or you teach gen ed or homeschool like I have, you have dealt with problem behavior. And so today we are going over some strategies that you can implement as soon as tomorrow that will help you navigate those problem behaviors just a little bit better. Welcome to Wife Teacher Mommy, the podcast. I'm Kelsey Sorensen, a former elementary teacher and current homeschool mom. And even though I've been a resource creator since 2014, I've realized that printables alone aren't all you need in order to thrive as a teacher or homeschool parent. That's why I also created this show and got certified as a life coach to help you finally kick burnout to the curb and feel confident with whatever challenges come your way. With the right mindset strategies and new teaching inspiration, you're going to be well on your way to your best teacher life. Now let's go. I'm really excited for today's episode and I have had listeners before be like, Hey, do you help with special education? And honestly we do like, while my background is not in special education, what we have to share with our resources, the wide range of pre-K through six that are available in our shop and to our club members, we tend to get a lot of special ed educators in our community because of the wide range and differentiating that you can do, whether you're in special ed or gen ed or whatever. And, and also my amazing team member, Carol is a special educator. So we do have that on our team, but I'm really excited that for the event, we got Chris Reeve from autism classroom resources. She is very, very knowledgeable in special education. She's been a special educator yourself. And as you'll hear in our interview, she has helped teachers not only, you know, in her online company now with special education, but she has physically traveled the country helping teachers with their special ed, even before the internet and connecting like this was a thing. Really exciting. We're excited for this episode today. And she just has so much knowledge to share. And I love that with these episodes that I've been doing the past little while, having more guests, it's been a lot of fun because I truly believe that together, when we come together and we all are an expert in something different. We all have kind of a different area of expertise. When we come together, like I've been bringing people onto the podcast or for Educate and Rejuvenate, where we're all literally coming together, sharing what we know, the presenters, but then also the attendees in the community, because there's a community component to the event where you get to connect with each other, connect with presenters, such a good time. We're really excited for all of this, but my favorite part is that I'm able to do this on the podcast with you too. We're able to do these additional episodes to offer everybody more support, whether or not you join us at the event, which I hope you do. But for now, I really hope that you are enjoying these episodes while we're waiting for the event to happen. So today, like I mentioned, we're talking to Christine Reeve. I'm going to read her bio for you so you have a little bit of background before we jump into the interview so you can get into all of those tips and tricks. So 
From running autism classroom resources to creating teacher resources on Teachers Pay Teachers, Chris's driving goal has always been about bringing special educators together and helping them serve their students in the best ways they can. Chris has a doctorate in psychology and is a board-certified behavior analyst doctoral. She has spent the last 25 years with a wide variety of special education programs as a behavior specialist, an administrator, university faculty, and primarily as a trainer and consultant. Chris runs autism classroom resources store on Teachers by Teachers, the Autism Classroom Resources podcast and blog, and also has a training and support membership site for special educators called the Special Educator Academy. Okay. Hey, Chris. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. And I'm also really excited that we've connected because of Educate and Rejuvenate. And I just got to be on your show, Autism Classroom Resources, which is an amazing show. So anybody here, if you are a special educator or honestly, even if you're a general educator or a parent who works with or has children who have any kind of special needs, it is a great show for you. So be sure to check that out. But Chris, I'm really excited to have you today. Can you introduce yourself, like your teaching background, just some things about you and what you do to serve teachers now. Sure. I'm Chris Reeve. I have worked with students with special ed needs for pretty much most of my career. Um, I started out really wanting to be a researcher, but my dissertation kind of beat that out of me. (laughs) Um, And I realized at that point that I really loved working with students and with teachers. And so in grad school, my dissertation was with children with autism, but also children with other communication needs, working on preventing challenging behavior. And I was a behavior specialist for the school that I was doing the research at. And so when I left, I worked in North Carolina and consulting with families and community settings for a while. And then I moved back to Florida, which is where I'm originally from. And to be closer to my family that was getting older as we all are. And I started at Nova Southeastern University as the director of a program that uh, served about 75 of the kids from like five to seven years old with the most intensive behavioral issues in the county. Um, And um, that was part of a program that also had probably the largest preschool for children with autism at the time. And so over time, while I was there, I was there for 14 years. Um, I moved from writing that program to overseeing the behavioral staff to doing research. And eventually um, I ended up being the director of academics. But all through that, I was working for our outreach branch, going into school districts, working with teachers and working with students who either had autism or behavioral challenges. And I got to spend a lot of time with some really amazing teachers and did a lot of professional development, but also learned a ton about about everything they did from working with them. My aunt made me promise when I went to get my doctorate, because she was a preschool teacher for 30 years, that I wouldn't go into anybody else's classroom and tell them what to do if I'd never been in that situation myself. I believe her exact words were, don't go off and sit in your ivory tower and tell us how to educate when you don't know what we're dealing with. And that's been kind of my mantra ever since. And so I really, I traveled constantly for about 14 years all over the country, got to meet some incredible special educators, some incredible regular educators and administrators. And in 2010, I became the director of 
well, I became the director of academics before that. And around that time, I realized that really wasn't what I liked to do. I really did like, didn't really like the traveling, but I loved being able to work with the teachers and with their students to try to figure out what was going on. And so in 2010, I went out on my own and provided consultation and training, still traveling. And now I do a combination of virtual and live professional development. I run my TPT store. Um, I run the blog and the podcast for Autism Classroom Resources, and I do all of it from the comfort of my childhood bedroom. Your childhood (laughs) bedroom. We moved into this house when I was 13 years old, and I have now moved back into it. I love that. That's like so full circle. And I had not heard all of your story about traveling all over and then becoming the director. And that is like amazing. You've had just such a wide variety of experiences with that, I'm sure, and meeting teachers all over the country and their diverse needs and everything. So you, you've probably seen it all, or at least a lot. One of the greatest things about it is being able to take, you know, back, I'm old. So, you know, we didn't have the internet and certainly wasn't what it is now. We didn't have Facebook, we didn't have Instagram. And so I would go into districts where maybe there was one teacher for kids that are in a self-contained class in their own whole county. And They didn't have anybody to talk to about their kids. And I would get to take an idea that that teacher had and take it to one that was in a similar situation three states over and share it there. And that was one of the things I really loved about it. So I've always wanted to develop a community for special educators so that they can collaborate with each other more effectively. And um, I actually started the Special Educator Academy, which is our membership that really aims to keep teachers from having to be so isolated because even with the internet, it's still, it's still touchy. I think for some of our, our students and really sharing some of the things that we deal with, uh, in special ed. And so, um, yeah, so I, I opened that and that's always like been one of my dreams. So that was, has been really, really fun. Yeah, you're building this community. And like you mentioned, it's like, you know, there might be like a lot of general ed teachers in a building, but there aren't always as many. Sometimes there's just like one special education teacher. And so you're able to help connect them together so they can share ideas. And it's wonderful that we do have the internet now and we get to connect with teachers all over without having to travel. And that's what you're doing. And that's what I'm doing with like Educate and Rejuvenate and all the things that we do, making sure that we connect educators together because we are so much better together. And that's why I'm excited to be connecting with you and so many others who bring different strengths to the table. Like I'm not an expert in special education or anything like that. I do have like, luckily one of my team members, she's awesome. But like, I think all of us bring something to the table with this event that we're doing, Educate and Rejuvenate, and we'll be able to just help so many teachers in that way. So I'm really excited. I'm excited for that reason too. Let's dive in a little bit more to like your special education experience. So like, what is your overall approach to addressing problem behavior in the classroom or at home for those parents who are listening? Yeah, I think the biggest message that I always want people to really get is that challenging behavior is all about the why it happens more than the what they're doing. Uh, So many times people will focus on what a behavior looks like. So I get a lot of, you know, what do I do about hitting? What do I do about biting? And, you know, short of saying, well, you know, try to stay out of their reach. There's not really an answer to that question (laughs) because the truth is that you might do the exact same thing for both because the question that we want to ask is why are they hitting? Why are they biting? What's happening in the larger context 
when that's going on. And I think that's one of the keys too, is that it's not just, it's not a thing that's in the kid. The behavior is not something that is wrong with the student It's or the child. It's something that is a mismatch between them and the context in which they're interacting. And so sometimes we'll have kids who will be fine in one setting and really struggle in another. Sometimes some of our students have more challenges and are challenged by most contexts. So it's more consistent. Um, but my approach has always been aligned with what's now called positive behavioral interventions and, and supports. And so um, I actually worked in the lab that was developed some of that early science that built that. But my focus has always been on how do we improve a, a child's quality of life to make the behaviors something they don't need anymore? Like, how can we teach them the appropriate behavior, a better way of getting that need met and meet that function? Because, you know, if you think about it, if you're, if you're hungry, just telling somebody you'll eat later doesn't make your stomach growl less. And the same is true with a lot of the challenging behaviors saying, you know, I can talk to you in a while doesn't mean I feel any less like I need to talk to you right now. And if you, if I don't have coping skills of knowing how to like calm myself down or learn to wait, if I haven't been taught how to wait, then I'm just still stuck in this situation. But now I know I can't get what I want unless sometimes when my behavior escalates, that ends up getting that response. So over time, we sometimes see those behaviors escalate uh, in a way that is because it works, uh, because they're just some things you can't ignore. You know, you can't ignore a kid who's hurting himself. You can't make all the other kids in the classroom ignore a behavior. Um, so we really have to think about that. We always want to know why is it happening and then how can they get that need met in a better way, in a way that fits that context better? Um, I always think about, you know, we teach a lot of kids to raise their hand and that works well in a school context if they know how to wait, cause they're not going to be called on every single time. Um, but it also doesn't work very well when I go to the grocery store and I need something because I can stand in the grocery store and raise my hand and nobody's going to come help me. Um, and so we always want to think about how it matches. It's one of the things I tell teachers when they work with families too, is don't expect that you're necessarily going to use the same strategies at school that you would at home because the contexts are different. You know, we have more training and structure and support at school than a family's going to have. So we can have a kid who has a really structured scheduled day, but it's really hard to live that way 24 um, seven. So then we have to get really creative and I see problem behavior, dealing with trauma behavior is, you know, it's a creative process. It's trying to figure out what, what's going on. How is the context not working? How are the skills not working and how can we make them match up better? I'm Angela Watson, creator of the 40 hour teacher Workweek program. We're kicking off the next cohort of 40 Hour this summer, and I want you to join us. Over 55,000 K-12 educators have already used the 40 Hour program to maximize their contractual hours and stop working endlessly on nights and weekends. Visit 40HTW.com to learn more, including how to attend our free online summit on July 9th and 10th, where you can learn time-saving tips from other classroom teachers. That's 40HTW.com. Yeah, I agree with you on it being so much trial and error, but like what 
we want to look at is that root cause. It's not like, oh, they're hitting. What are their experiences? What are their thoughts and feelings that they're having and that are driving this behavior? And that is where we can really kind of dive in and figure out, okay, if I know that, then what can I do? What is something I can try? And it's not a guarantee that it's going to work. And then you try again. It's kind of like a little experiment that we get to do as teachers or parents to figure out, figure out what support works. And even like it might work some days and it might not work other days because the context is not the same every day. Like they might have had a really good night at home one day and then the next night they didn't. And you know, so that context can be different. And we don't always know that as teachers. So it's just, you know, we do what we can for sure. Yeah. And that answers a really good question that I get a lot, which is, well, it must not be working because it doesn't solve all it doesn't solve it every single time. And it's like exactly what you said. It's not always the same context. But you also referenced, you know, maybe he didn't sleep well last night. Well, there are a lot of other variables out there that contribute to that context other than just the ones in front of us. And some of them we know and some of them we don't know. And that's one of the reasons that the behavior seems really unpredictable. So what we have to do is kind of go for the best, what gets us the best response, and then we'll continue refining from there. Right. And I think just giving yourself and that student grace when like, maybe there is a worst day. Like if something's worked for a few days and one day it just totally doesn't work, it doesn't mean you need to throw in the towel. It's more like of a pattern, like is, is improving overall than like, is this exact moment on this exact day always going just peachy, you know? Okay. So next question. So how do skill challenges or skill deficits affect behavior and what should we do about it? Most behaviors come from some level of skill deficit. It might be a really severe skill deficit, like a student who's nonverbal and can't tell you what he wants. Or it might be somebody who, maybe it's a student who is on general ed standards, very, very cognitively competent in his academics, but his social skills are really problematic and he doesn't know how to adjust his behavior to meet the new needs of the situation. So one teacher really wants you to yet to just blurt out in class and the other teacher really doesn't want you to do that. And he doesn't know how to read those settings to figure out, oh, this is the right behavior for this situation. I should change my behavior. He may need more explicit instruction in, you know, do this in this person's class, do this in this person's class. And then he's going to need training to learn how to figure that out on his own because we're not always going to be there to tell him how to do it. So sometimes it's a really significant communication difficulties are a big one. Social skills are a big one. Being able to self-regulate, I think, is a huge issue for a lot of our students that you know, especially if you have a student who has any kind of anxiety, that anxiety is really driving that behavior. It's making the situation really, really problematic for them in some way. And they, again, if they don't have good coping skills, they don't know how to bring that anxiety down. Um, you know, and I always think of the functions of behavior as, as being kind of broad of, you know, you're either trying to get something or get away from something. Um, and it might be getting a reaction and attention, or it might be escaping from a work task, or for some of our kids, it might be escaping from the social situation or escaping from this really hard conversation that I'm not quite sure how to handle. So I'm going to do something that makes everybody run away from me because that's the quickest way I know how to get out of it. Um, so we really want to think about, um, you know, if we have a student who's engaging in behavior to get attention, he raises his hand, the teacher might call on him, probably not every time. 
Um, but when he falls on the floor, he might get a really big reaction. So all the other kids laugh, the teacher's telling him to get back in his seat. It's getting this really big, like the whole classroom just kind of stops and addresses this kind of situation. So that negative behavior just got a much bigger reaction than his appropriate behavior. So he needs a way not just to get attention, he has a way, but he needs a way to get it faster and easier and as big a reaction as what he can get with the negative behavior. The good thing about taking a skills-based approach is that when you're looking at teaching skills to gain attention or social skills or self-regulation, we're looking at, or even teaching kids a way to get away from something appropriately, um, you're, you're going to have a situation where you don't have to completely ignore the behavior, which is something that's really hard to do in a classroom, but it's also really hard to do at home. You know, there's only so much. I have an older sister with autism, and I will tell you that there are behaviors that I could not ignore when I was a child living with her. Um, and so you really want to make sure that we are making the appropriate behavior get the same level of reaction. Then all we have to do is tone down the reaction that we have to give to get him back in his seat or remove him from the classroom or deal with the behavior at home so that we're just not attending to it as much. And that way we've got, you know, one of the things I hear behavior analysts I am a behavior analyst, but one of the things I hear behavior analysts tell people is like, just ignore it. But of course, the behavior analysts can ignore them because we have years of training. We're really good at it. Um, and we really don't care what else is happening around us. We're just focused on this situation a lot of times. Yeah, we're a teacher. That's just one student of like a whole ton. And there you have a lot of other things going on. Yeah. Exactly. So the great thing about doing this is really just trying to find what's a way that we can get that kid attention really quickly in a way that he is going, it's going to be a big enough reaction for him. Maybe we teach him to tell a joke and we give him a time that we on his schedule that he can tell a joke to the class and get a big reaction. Maybe we get really creative at how we can get that kind of big reaction and then just tone down our response to the negative behavior. And just by boosting it, sometimes we can make that work a little bit better. So it takes, it does take a lot of creativity. It takes a team of people really to sit down and go, you know, what, what can we do to, you know, get him what he needs. And then once he knows what, you know, once he's able to use that, then we can start saying, okay, now we're going to wait. Now we're going to wait just, just a minute before we do that. So then we begin to teach him to wait to do that. Or if it's to get out of work, maybe we teach him, we're going to do one more problem and then we're going to take a break. Now we're going to do two more problems. And then we're going to do a, you know, half the worksheet um, and things like that. So that gives us a way to manipulate our context in a way that can really help the student be successful, but also the rest of the class continue on without disrupting everything as much. I love that idea because it's like you're you're giving them that attention that they need and they crave, but you're kind of just shifting where it goes, right? So that's a really smart tip. I feel like any teacher, whether you are in special ed or general ed, you know, more and more there's like immersion where like general ed and special ed are together. So I feel like so many general ed teachers can also incorporate this into their classrooms or you just have those students who have that behavior, you know, in any classroom. So it was very helpful. Okay, so next question. What are some simple strategies teachers and families can use to prevent challenging behavior? You know, I think that 
one of the things that we can do if we have a student who's very headstrong, if you've ever had one of those kids and it's like, it's going to be my way or the highway. And I always laugh because people, I have special ed teachers will say, well, I, I can handle that. I'm just going to wait him out. I'm like, no, that's not going to work. Cause I know he'll sit there for an hour and a half and he's not going to do what you eventually need him to do. So some, one thing we can do with those kids often is to give them choices, give them ways to bite into what we want them to do. And, the choice is never, you know, do you want to go to Disney World or do your math homework? The choice is always, do you want to do your math homework sitting with mom or sitting with dad? Do you want to do your math homework in this desk or that desk with this pencil or that pencil? Do you want to do the top half of the worksheet or the bottom half of the worksheet first? Um, so you really have to get creative at coming up with what those choices can be. But by giving students choices, we're giving them the chance to kind of opt into what we want them to do. Um, and oftentimes it, you know, some of our kids will negotiate with us and sometimes the little negotiation is not a bad thing because, you know, that is how as adults we get our needs met. We negotiate with people for what we need. And so sometimes that causes us to lower our expectations, which is better than having a full-blown behavior. Um, and I think sometimes we really don't think about that. Uh, trade-off enough. I think a lot of times we just think, well, just, you know, hold a, hold a line and, you know, he'll come around. And I'm like, yeah, that's going to take a really long <laughs> right. time. Let's, let's find a different way to do you this. You kind of need to pick your battles sometimes, right? It's like, okay, like, exactly. this is improvement. It's not like the same standard that, like, you know, some students just need different things, you know, different standards to be held to. Right. Another one is really to make sure that if you've got a situation that they're really struggling with, make sure you've got really clear expectations for them about what they need to do before it's over. Sometimes just knowing when will this be done is enough to get us through it. I mean, think about a difficult situation. Like I'm not really big on going to cocktail parties. So it's always like, I'm going to stay until this time and then I'm out of here. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I got five more minutes and then I can. Well, that's like the workout classes I've been doing that they're like, okay, it's just 30 seconds. Okay. You've only got 10 more seconds. I'm like, okay, I can do 10 more seconds. I cannot do 30 more seconds. So they're just like, you know, letting you know, you can make it through this. So that that's really helpful. Right. Exactly. For some of our kids, if they're, you know, not readers, it might be making them a picture schedule. But for some of our kids who are readers, just jotting down what it is we're going to do and letting them cross it off gives them some control over that situation. And that really ties into what you were saying about choices. Like before, it's like when you give them autonomy and choices, like I use that strategy of like this or this, like all the time with my kids, I used it in the classroom too, like just so helpful. And then the other thing that I suggest to teachers to do is my one like magic, what I swear is a magic trick. If you have kids who can't line up without some sort of incident happening, which happens in general ed, it happens in special ed, or everybody has to be the line leader or whatever it is. Think about putting visuals down on the floor about where they're supposed to stand in line. And it's one of those interventions that I always forget to do when I set up a classroom. And then the kids are like all over each other during the line. And I'm like, oh, I forgot the visuals. And the next night I put them up and then the kids are like, I'm standing on my spot. My hands are by my side. I'm standing on my spot. And I'm like, Paper. I put paper on the floor. That's all they did. It's amazing what things like that can do and the difference they can make. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just knowing that that's where I'm supposed to be. You can put them where you want them to sit at the table. You can put them in lines on the, on the floor just as a way so that they know that, again, this is what the expectation is. 
Yeah, I, I love all of these tips. I feel like every teacher could take some or all of that and apply it to their classroom and just see a big difference with just a little tweaks. You know, I find that sometimes people just want to make these big changes and that's a lot for kids and it's a lot for us as adults to try to make these big changes, but just like little things here and there can make a huge, huge difference. Okay, so this has all been so good. You've shared so much like value and inspiration with us here on the podcast today. But I'm also very excited that you are one of our speakers at Educate and Rejuvenate. And we're really excited and honored that you applied and that you're speaking at the event. So excited to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about what you'll be sharing at Educate and Rejuvenate? Yeah, I'll actually be talking a lot about the functions of behavior, why kids do what they do, why it's actually called that's why he does that, which always is like an eye opener for people. But now what do I do? Um, because sometimes we're really good at, at teaching people like this is why he does it, but we forgot to tell you what to do about it. Or we're really good at here's a bunch of strategies, but we didn't tell you when to use them. So it really is a talk that focuses on what are the functions of behavior and where does that lead me in terms of what should I do to address them and what can be effective with that. So I'll have lots of different kinds of tips and it's a very visual presentation. I, I love being able to present with pictures. So there's a lot of just examples uh, of things that we've used with kids over time. But in the meantime, what do you have to offer to our listeners? Like if they're like, oh my goodness, I love what Chris had to share today. I think you mentioned like an awesome freebie or something that you have at your podcast too. Be sure to mention all of that. <laughs> So I want to share our free resource library with the listeners, and they can find that at autismclassroomresources.com slash free, F-R-E-E. And it has a variety of printable materials, and it also has 30 short videos on challenging behavior. So I walk you kind of through some of the assessment, the way to teach replacement behaviors, responsive strategies, those kinds of things. So it's got those videos there for you as well. And I also have some free webinars that are part of that as well. So you can find that again at autismclassroomresources.com slash free. You can find me pretty much everything at autismclassroomresources.com. That has the Autism Classroom Resources podcast and the blog. That also will give you a link to the Special Educator Academy, which is our membership for supporting special education teachers. And you can find that at specialeducatoracademy.com. And you can find me on Instagram at Autism Classroom Resources or on Facebook at Special Educator Academy. I cannot wait to watch your session. That sounds amazing. I'm really excited for it. And I bet a lot of you listening, like if you liked this podcast episode, just wait until you get to see her session with all the visuals. It's been a lot of fun talking with you today. And I'm excited to have you educate and rejuvenate and to continue connecting and sharing this episode with all of our listeners. So thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you're ready to take the next step, 
Come grab your ticket to join me at Educate and Rejuvenate, the education event of the year on June 27th and 28th, 2023. This year, we have two incredible live keynotes, Joe Dombrowski, aka Mr. D, and best-selling author and video creator, Christina Kuzmich. We have over 60 incredible speakers speaking on topics such as math, language arts, reading, social-emotional learning, classroom management, homeschooling, and tackling burnout. We start the day with a workout together each morning. We have panels with the presenters, and you'll even get to join live live coaching with me and even raise your hand if you would like to be coached. Plus, we give away tons of prizes throughout the event too. It is the best PD you could ever attend. And all of this is happening from the comfort of your own home. It's just $19 for a ticket and past attendees have said that this is what finally lit a fire under them to enjoy teaching again and that it was well worth every penny. Go to educateandrejuvenate.com to learn more about the 2023 event. Or if you're listening to this later, that link will show you what's up next as we will continue to do events like this. I hope to see you at Educate and Rejuvenate.